All right. Now, um, Matt's uh, extensive background in commercialising pharmaceutical and medical devices includes work for Austra Zeneca uh, on London Exchange, hundred million billion, hundred billion plus market cap pharma company. Um, and uh, you know, today is going to be giving us a general uh, business update on uh, neuroscientific biopharmaceuticals, uh, the uh, stock code NSB. If you want to put that into your watch screen, um, their NSBs in drug development. Uh, it's focused on developing novel peptide-based pharmaceutical drugs. NSB leads uh, drug candidate called. Eptin-B is currently being developed as a treatment for dementia and Alzheimer's disease. Obviously, uh, you know, a, an area with a huge amount of um, scope and a, and a really big problem and, uh, that needs to be solved and worked upon. So, Matt, thank you very much for, for joining us today. Cheers. Thanks, Patrick. And um, it's a pleasure to present Neuroscientific to you all this afternoon uh, and in the morning for all those in WA. We're a drug development company, as Patrick just introduced us as. Um, we listed on the ASX in the middle of 2018 uh, via an IPO raising $6 million, um, which gave us the funding to develop our lead compound, um, which we're working towards through um, completion of phase one clinical trials. Um, we have a pipeline of other um, potential therapeutic candidates as well with strong IP protection across multiple markets. Um, our share price has been relatively stable given the turbulent markets that we've currently experienced due to COVID-19. Uh, and our largest shareholder is McCray Investments, also cornerstone our IPO. They're also our founding investor, but they're probably more widely known um, for as being the private investment vehicle of the Clough family, who are more widely known as being Clough Engineering. So just a, a quick overview of what we've done since we listed, and I could probably spend the next 15 minutes just on this slide alone. But essentially, we've, it demonstrates the execution of our strategy in demonstrating the, the safety of our product and working towards completion of our safety and toxicity program that will allow us to begin clinical development, starting with phase one clinical trials, and also developing our data set. Uh, beyond what we, we listed with the pre-existing data and going into places that we haven't taken it before, such as looking in um, treatment of spinal cord injury uh, and also uh, as a viable treatment for multiple sclerosis. And we've also built on a foundational of data that was in ophthalmology that we've subsequently had some positive results flow through um, where we've really solidified that as a, a parallel indication to our lead indication, which is Alzheimer's disease. So our leadership team, we're led by uh, Brian Liebman, who is our chairman and very experienced, highly experienced across corporate markets, So, uh, including and also Anton Yuvarov, the other executive director, who's a good mix of technical skills and um, corporate market experience and commercial experience, commercialization experience. I'm more on the technical side myself and commercialization. We also have Stephen Quantrill, who is, uh, has, a, has, has highly experienced financial and corporate advisory um, experience as well, but is the executive chairman of McCray Investments. So our, our focus here on listing, and while we have the potential to go beyond these indications, which I'll talk to later on, our current focus involves two markets, the leading market being in Alzheimer's disease, which most will know is um, 
lacks is a is a huge market and there's a large lack of treatment options given um, there's been many years of fundamental research that's been done in a very narrow space that's resulted hasn't translated into any viable treatment options that are disease modifying yet but it's a very large market that is growing in the western world um, and um, there is a need for disease modifying drugs and we're nicely positioned to tackle that the other market that we um, are looking to service are conditions that affect the optic nerve and the optic nerve is is the conduit that takes information from your eye to your brain and is also obviously made up of nervous tissue and this, while there's many diseases that affect or cause the generation of the optic nerve, um, one of the biggest is glaucoma. Um, and damage to the optic nerve usually results in permanent loss of vision. Um, so there's a huge number of people that um, suffer from diseases like glaucoma um, that we think we have the opportunity to actually provide a, another um, treatment option in the future. So our lead candidate is called Empton B. Uh, it's a it's a compound that is is actually modelled on a a large protein that's part of your innate immune system um, that circulates and is produced um, in response to damage to nervous tissue. Uh, we've actually copied a section of the of that protein and then we've made it into a druggable compound. The the compound targets a receptor that exists on the outside of neurons, which are your know, nerve cells of the brain and the spine. Um, it's a highly expressed, um, well-known uh, receptor. But what our, where our particular drug binds that receptor, it actually um, acts as a neuroprotective compound and also stimulates regeneration of those cells if they're in a state of decline. And that activity is actually being demonstrated by metallothionine. We've copied it and enhanced it. Uh, metallothionine is a very complex protein that's so far not been able to be reproduced synthetically. Our compound is a fully synthetic version of, of, of a particular component of that protein. We've validated Empton B across a number of preclinical in vitro models, um, and obviously they've been successfully repeated, and also animal models of, in specific disease states. Now, the, the compound itself has the potential to be able to treat multiple diseases and gain multiple indications, and that is due to the fact that it targets a receptor that exists on the outside of nerve cells. Um, as opposed to a drug that would normally be developed to target a, a particular process in the disease, we're going outside of that and ours is, is acting to stabilise cells. So it's more of a neuroprotective and compound. So a bit more on the actual evolution of, of how we came about it, um, and how the V came to be. Metallothionine is highly complex, which you can see um, from its structure. We've taken one particular domain uh, which, is a, which is basically a 14 amino acid um, peptide part of that protein. It's only one particular active part of that protein, but we've tied four of those exact same peptides together in what's called a dendrimer formation, which makes it a stable compound. Peptides are known to have very short half-lives in a biological environment. They're broken down very quickly. Uh, ours actually has a profile that's stable over a 24-hour period. Now, just to give you a brief, really, really simplistic view of how M2B actually works, uh, within this animation you can see these are healthy representations of brain cells, brain neurons functioning, signaling away, sending their messages uh, to the next one. When they become damaged, those signaling processes do retract, and then they go into a state of decline. 
But what, when NMB is administered and it associates with that receptor on the outside of those neurons, it stops that state of decline and basically regenerates the cell to become a healthy signaling neuron again. Does that through stimulating downstream um, downstream signaling molecules um, that are, again, we're just hijacking a part of the actual immune system, a function that, that already pre-exists. Um, we've just um, you know, made a compound that, that basically um, takes that, that, that same process, but oops, let me get past that. There we go, on to the next one. So it takes that process, um, but in, in, in achieves the same result as what metallothionine does, but with a synthetic compound. So onto our preclinical data and what was what we've achieved to date. We've been able to demonstrate survival across numerous types of brain cells that have been taken from different regions of the brain and specific disease models where you've affected the survivability of those cells and we've been able to treat them with MPMV and bring them back to um, different, basically near on above 90% rates of survival. And we've also been able to repeatedly demonstrate that axonal regeneration where, again, across different types of brain cells, but also in um, cells taken, nerve cells taken from um, different injury models, um, notably spinal cord injury model where damage those cells in animals and then being able to treat those cells and get significant regeneration of those axons. The particular model that we did treat them in, M2B actually achieved the, the, the longest growing axon that's ever been achieved in that model. And also some more functional studies which are very specific disease models. We've conducted a large-scale animal study in Alzheimer's, transgenically modified Alzheimer's mice was done by the Flory Institute and the Menzies Institute, where we were able to slow the decline in memory by more than 80% in the, in, in the treated mice in comparison to non-treated. And also in the multiple sclerosis model where we were able to demonstrate the activity of MTMB in the process of what's called remyelination, where myelin, myelin is a protective and uh, almost like a, a, a sheath that sits around the coat, the outside of axons to make them more efficient. Um, in diseases like multiple sclerosis, you get a breakdown in that sheath and then you get damage done to the axon. Uh, we were actually, with MPMB, being able to um, fix the process of, of, my, of, of demyelination by increasing the number of cells that contribute to, to um, stabilising and providing that myelin sheath. So into our other indication which is ophthalmology. Now we do our ophthalmology studies are all done with our partner, the Lion's Eye Institute, um, done here in Perth, where we're based. And the foundational evidence that supported an ophthalmology indication or the effect that we could have on the optic nerve was actually done by metallothionine, where in a pretty crude experiment where there was uh, rats had their optic nerve completely cut and then they were treated with, with that compound and there was a, the, the effect was almost full regrowth of well past the cut point of that optic nerve. To start off our data before we progressed into an animal model, we had to demonstrate that MDMB penetrated into the ocular tissue at the time rate, type specific time points and in the concentrations that we needed to have its effect. 
uh, and we demonstrated that by, um, you can see in these images here where you've got the um, six hour and the nine hour time points where we used a fluoro labelled version of the drug and you can see all that green is basically empty and B penetrating right through the layers uh, of the actual ocular tissue and into the optic nerve head where it can have its effect. And just one other point on that too, you can actually see that um, the depth of the penetration there and it actually, the M&B actually passed through the ocular mem membranes at the back of the eye, um, which actually now has given us basically another foundation to build upon in looking at alternative delivery methods. Being a proteinaceous product, we have to inject, um, intravitreally inject the, the drug during our, our ocular studies. But this data here being the first to be produced through for, for tissue distribution of the study of the of the of the drug, um, now we can look at alternative delivery methods, um, and one of those is actually looking at eye drops and things like that, where less less invasive delivery methods due to the the actual nature of its distribution in the ocular tissue. So from that from that rabbit study we progressed into the glaucoma pig model. And this quite significant results that we achieved here because this, this model is quite a, it's a very, it's an acute glaucoma, increased ocular pressure glaucoma model. And it's, it's quite a severe model replicating human pathology of glaucoma, but there's only a very short treatment window of six hours or so to actually, for the drug to actually work. And um, what we achieved is stabilization of the actual optic nerve, protection of the optic nerve, if you like. And that's, that, that's shown by specific biomarkers that indicate um, neurofilament, stabilization of neurofilaments and, and internal cell structures uh, that are identified and well known um, in ophthalmology as, as, as being markers of of, of degeneration, and we were able to stop that de degeneration. And in the next slide, um, I'll show you more. Demonstrates across basically a number of those biomarkers where you can see the difference in the treatment and the non-treatment through um, those cells being tagged with a histo histological marker. You can see the resolution difference, which shows up um, with B being quite strong, and then the non-treatment where the damage was done there's not a lot of markers there, um, which, which indicates that there's the damage, the damage that was actually done. So part of our strategy in successfully executing and, and, and being able to carry out the, the experiments, the high level that we need to, is partnering with um, international organisations, all the best organisations that we can find ophthalmology being Lion's Eye Institute, but we also have partnered for our safety and toxicity studies with Covents, one of the biggest um, contract research organisations in the world who have uh, a hand in, in the, you know, the, the top 50 drugs on the market. Covents have had something to do with getting them, getting safety studies independently done. We, we also, um, our manufacturing of our product is done by LMAC, um, another large-scale um, partner. They're a contract manufacturing organisation. And we've also used Mitsubishi and their investee company, Peptistar, as a manufacturer as well. We recently um, partnered with those guys. But we have multiple avenues where we use, basically outsource our research and our manufacturing to the best companies to do the work.
um, which gives you confidence to investors that the, the independent studies are being done and also they're being done by the best in, in, the, um, in, in the industry. So our business model is that we've, we've always positioned ourselves as developing our lead compound uh, as a favourable out-licensing um, product. And in doing that, we see ourselves as post early stage, um, some early stage data in, in, in the clinical phase that we'd be nicely positioned to be out-licensed out a product for further development via a, big, a bigger biotech or bigger pharmaceutical company. And um, as you can see from this data here, there's active investment still ongoing in, the, in that realm. Neurology is a growing um, segment of investment for pharma and there's still many pharma that are still actively investing and, and looking for assets to add to their neurology portfolios. So our development schedule, well, we really are focused on getting the MDMV safety and toxicity studies completed so that we can start our um, phase one clinical studies by the end of this year. But there's a lot to be done. Um, we're, we were about 75% of the way through that program. Um, we, it hasn't been, while well, we haven't had setbacks, we've had delays um, and we've overcome those. Uh, drug development is always a process where you really, you know, it, it, you really don't know what you, you've got to you start the work um, and little things pop up that have to be overcome, but nothing that we've seen so far has indicated that, you know, that we're going to have any major problems heading towards our phase one clinical studies. We will further develop our um, the compounds out studies in neurodegenerative indications, and in parallel, we still will also keep on developing the ocular indication toward, also towards um, clinical trials, um, and we're also doing some further efficacy studies in that realm as well to prove up across other disease, other types of conditions that affect the optic nerve, um, to further validate that efficacy potential as a, a viable ocular treatment compound. And that's it. Thanks very much. Beautiful. Thank you very much, Matt. Great presentation. Uh, if anyone has got any questions, please put them through. Um, I'm just going to um, share a link uh, with everyone for next week's uh, presentation. If you would like to come along and just to have us book you in, just type yes into the chat box. Uh, otherwise, um, I will share a link with you on next week's presentation um, and you can dial in there. For anyone that wanted to come along to, uh, anyone that wanted to receive the prospectus um, the, uh, for Manuka, uh, you just need to type in IPO into your chat box and we will email you through the prospectus and I think as the company intends on closing it this week, it has been very well received to the market, very interesting um, opportunity there. So if you want to get access to that, type in IPO. We can go to the link that I previously shared and pick it up from there. Uh, any questions, please put them through. Let me just drop down here. Um, okay. What is the timeline if all goes well for a marketable product? That's from Stephen. We'd be looking at um, now if for an ocular, an, an actual indication as a compound to treat an ocular, um, something like glaucoma, uh, an ocular indication, we'd, you'd be looking at a, 
uh, sort of a five-year period. Um, neurodegenerative indications obviously are a lot longer because the patient groups take a lot longer to recruit, uh, and those studies just just generally take a lot longer to actually execute on. Um, so you'd, be, you'd still be looking at sort of maybe a, a more of an eight-year to ten-year period of time for that for a for the neurodegenerative indications. Beautiful. Um, Jeff's asked uh, uh, regarding how well you're funded and positioned regarding funds, um, citing current turbulent market conditions, COVID, although at the moment the market's not really being turbulent, but <laughs> uh, that's all changed quickly. Um, do you want to just make a comment, Matt, on uh, funding? Yeah, no, we've still, you know, we're, we're still um, well funded. Um, we haven't been back to the market to raise any capital yet. Um, we've still got um, a healthy cash position of around $4 million in the bank. Um, so we're, you know, we're doing quite well. Um, and that, that, you know, that's more than enough to get us to achieve exactly what we need to achieve in the next 12 months. Yeah. Uh, Jenny's asked, have you been affected by any operational shutdown uh, during COVID? No, luckily enough, other than some logistics well, challenges in, in the Department of, of getting things in and out of Australia, um, no, luckily our research partners have all still continued. Um, some of them, I suppose the effects have been that they may have slowed down a little, but they haven't completely stopped, which was the big fear, um, that um, especially COVID's where our safety program is, is happening in, in the US and there was, um, you know, the there was the threat that that was going to that that facility was going to have to pause for a little while, but that didn't end up happening, and they continued on. So, um, not not as yet, and it looks like we're through the worst of it. So, uh, we don't expect any any actual huge problems 